0: Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On
1: is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana,
0: and financially
2: supported by listeners like you.
0: Season's greetings. I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show, committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Last week, we showcased four recipients of this year's SWAGGER, which stands for Students Who Act Generously, Grow, and Earn Respect Awards, sponsored by the City of Bloomington's Commission on the Status of Children and Youth. Uh, And that commission's mission is to promote connections in the community that empower, enhance, and nurture children and youth. Successful award recipients shall have taken action that enhances the lives around them through generous acts, personal growth, and the promotion of respect. Nominations were accepted from educators, neighbors, friends, relatives, and clergy of students who live or attend school within the Monroe County C- Community School Corporation area. Youth nominees fell into four school age grade groups K through 3rd, 4th through 6th, 7th through 8th, and 9th through 12th ultimately seven young nominees won swagger awards they were selected from among 17 impressive young people all of whom were recognized for their meaningful and generous acts in the ninth through twelfth grade category awards went to four african-american ladies sydney crossley Sabra wagner jl davis and safine Franklin, for exceptional leadership and social justice activism by advocating for a racial discrimination justice policy to be included in the Monroe County Community School Corporation Student Handbook. Now, last week, three of those ladies, sydney Crossley and J.L. Davis, Sabra Wagner, along with Mr. Isidore James, Jimmy Torrey, co-chair of the City of Bloomington's Commission on the Status of Children and Youth, joined us for an eye-opening conversation on their efforts to compel the MCCSC to include a racial discrimination justice policy to be included in the MCCSC Student Handbook. School board discussions have been held, with a recent discussion on Tuesday, December the 13th. Now, the purpose of this policy is to confront, mitigate, and eliminate racism, racist behaviors, and microaggressions in all forms. Superintendent Jeff Halswald said creation of a racial equity policy is just the first step, and they still need to vote to pass it. Developing action items and guidelines for the policy will come after. In the conversations with our students, this is uh, Dr. Oswald, in the conversations with our students, we will develop next guidelines, and those guidelines will have some of the very specific things people have asked for. If the policy is approved, then guidelines for implementation and enforcement will be drafted. And uh, here to to talk about efforts to date and just where things are, uh, we have invited back Sydney Crossley, J. L. Davis, Sabra Wagner, and uh, Mr. Isidore Tory or Jimmy—he uh, uh, goes by Jimmy as well—to uh, just discuss in uh, their impression, you know, where things are. So, everyone, welcome back to Bring It On. And I'd like to sort of start some questions. If um, if you can, go, you know, I want to go around the room, starting with Sydney, then J. L., then Sabra. If you could let us know if you attended that meeting on Tuesday, the thirteenth. And if you could share with us just your impressions as you came from that meeting. And again, we'll start with Sydney. Sydney, I think you're, um, you're muted.
3: Oh, yes, sorry. Can you repeat the question?
0: Yeah, uh, your impressions from the MCCSC Tuesday, December 13th meeting that uh, was sort of, I guess, the first reading of the proposed policy and what you walked away with your impressions from that.
3: Okay, um, I think, um, I think we all kind of felt like the similar way walking in and then walking out of the meeting. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think we definitely felt like, like similar emotions. Um, I don't want to say that I was surprised by what happened, but I also, like, I wasn't totally surprised, but I was uh, a little surprised. Um, still have like a lot of questions from the board. I don't think. Any of my answers for the questions got answered, um, and yeah, I think I'm still I still have a lot of questions for um, the board.
0: All right, uh, JL, if you can unmute and share with us your uh, observations from that meeting.
3: Yeah, so I felt like um, it was definitely it's something that I I wouldn't say that I um, didn't expect because. I somewhat expected it. I was just a little bit more hopeful about the meeting and like us um, progressing. And I feel like um, I had really mixed emotions about it. And um, like Sydney said, my questions weren't answered. There was still a lack of student voice. And overall, it just um, made me kind of see the true colors of um, the the. Not the board members, but um, I guess the whole affiliation of MCCSC and what me and the equity ambassadors have been working towards, and I feel like um, we're still not being heard.
0: And Sarah, if you can unmute and share with us your observations.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with both of them. We had discussed like the meeting beforehand, and I think we all were coming in with very similar emotions about it, but... Like JL, I was hopeful for what was to come out of it, even though I did have like some concerns after reading the policy. And the result of the meeting, I just felt like after seven months, there should have been more achieved. And I I felt like we're still discussing the same topics of like lack of communication, lack of student voice seven months later. And it's been brought up at the school board meetings and in the equity meetings. So it's just a little disheartening to see that that's still one of the main problems
0: with this okay and uh jimmy um were you at the meeting and or from what you may have viewed online or something any impressions that you take away from that
2: um yeah i wasn't um, at the meeting i did try to watch the uh watch it online the next day um and honestly i was not in in an environment where i could really watch it uh, being at work um and so I, I I heard when the issue was brought up. I heard, um, I believe it was uh, you, Jale, that that came up to speak um, at the start of it. Um, and I I honestly didn't hear the response to um, your presentation or to the um, what you said. And I did hear that uh, you know about other issues within the school system, but that they'll deal with. But um, I think that they need to, uh, deal with this as well. So, um, but I, I apologize. I was, I did not, uh, watch the entire, um, video, um recast or, or web or webinar or whatever it's called. I didn't watch the entire board meeting.
0: Okay. I was able to uh, pull down a press release and I just want to read in your hearing, uh, a portion of that. And I just want to get some discussion on that. Um, apparently at a school board meeting, if not this one, a previous one. And and from what I'm picking up that there had been a series of meetings to discuss uh, this drafting of a policy to address uh, racial equity. Uh, but, But one segment stands out, it says that last year students had shared, and this is, I guess, 2021. In 2021, students had shared their experiences with racism while at school. And during public comment, multiple people said the policy didn't include measures of accountability or benchmarks to demonstrate the policy was being used and superintendent jeff oswald said creation of a racial equity policy is just the first step and they still need to vote to pass it and developing action items and guidelines for the policy will come after Um, and then it goes on to say that uh, if the policy is approved and guidelines for implementation and enforcement will be drafted In some of those previous meetings where they said that students shared their experiences with racism, uh, I take now that there were more students than just you three ladies. Uh, Is that correct? And if so, what were some of the experiences that other students had had at at one of the MCCSC schools? And Sydney, I'll start with you. Now you're you're still muted there. Sydney, can you hear me? Okay, while Sydney is um, uh, adjusting her her audio, JL, what were some of the experiences you heard from previous, some some other students besides yourselves at some of these MCCSE uh, meetings?
3: Um, I think that, um, just with the, Okay, so I think what, this might be wrong, but are you like asking, like what, what did they experience um, during the equity ambassador meetings or just like in the school board meetings in general?
0: Well, their accounts of racism that they confronted at the school system, um, so mm-hmm. it sounds if they, the school board gathered, uh, accounts to take into consideration. If, if you can remember any of the accounts last week, we had talked about some of the things that you all had experienced, but do you recall any of the things that students, uh, shared shared while talking with board members?
3: Um, I think one thing that um, I could remember was a person being called the N-word by one of the students in, abso- um, in their school and absolutely nothing being done about it, and um, it was just very heartbreaking to me because it just reminded me that there's still so much that we need to do, um, and there's uh, a lot of stuff that we still, that you would think would be in the past, but are still in the present and we really need to work hard to combat that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a lot of anti-Semitism, like there's Nazi flags, Confederate flags, um, just racist symbolization that um, the school allows to be brought up um, within each school. So it's just, um, just really sad and heartbreaking to have these people tell this to the um school board members, and still nothing being done about it and so that's kind of what I remember from that
0: so so the picture they were painting was that this was sort of a broad issue or 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 uh, this, these were accounts that were across the m c c s c uh district and um it's not it's not necessarily focused on one school but the impression was is that it was sort of um multiple situations going on throughout the corporation, school corporation. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sabra, um, do you recall any incidents that stand out in your mind as, that, that might give the listeners uh, sort of a uh, an impression of, of what students had to endure or the frustrations that they felt? And if you can unmute and, and let us know.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm just a little confused about the question because um, I guess like, was it from they're saying that students came to the school board and shared it or like, like, what are they referencing specifically?
0: Well, it said in the press release, the students during some of these meetings gave accounts of what they had experienced. And I was just curious if you recall any of these accounts or if, if they were primarily going on the accounts that you three shared.
1: Yeah. I think that's what they're referencing because um, to my knowledge, we were the only, it was me, Dayelle, Sydney, and Safan who went up. And we, one of our mentors also gave a speech with testimonials that we had collected to share with experiences from other students who weren't able to attend the board meeting. So, yeah, I'm not, I think, I guess that's what they're referring to. But. Okay.
0: So, so the, the testimonials that, that one of your group shared, they were across different schools in the mccsc or were they germane or are they particularly situated at one or two schools
1: yeah i would say it's across the schools and it's and it's broader than just like in high school it's like what people have experienced throughout their like academic career at either school and okay.
0: okay okay and 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 the topic of racism um some can view as is being sort of um, incendiary and in that it could just spark all of these emotions but a lot of time when you, when you dig deep into racism, you find that, um, there's some common threads of just ignorance and assumptions and things that are sort of taught that people live with and hear through their lives. And so they assume that to be true. So there's a lot of ignorance and, um, you know, like using the N word, some people don't even know truly the history of the N word, except that it can bring a reaction from a person or, or other phrases that can be uttered, uh, just to hurt or just to to cause a reaction. Um, and it's, I think, with education as to the history of these terms and phrases as to why they inflict the pain that they do, uh, we can go a long way towards remedying things. But in the interim, uh, I see the policy as uh, sort of a harness for all activity to say, look, this is not acceptable in this school district. And not only will you cease and desist from using such terms, uh, here are the parameters and here are the consequences if you persist. And and I, and I do, again, as I said last week, I applaud you ladies for bringing this to the attention of those who are um, in leadership. Um, Sydney, uh, I see that you joined us back. And if, if you can unmute and, and tell us what were some of the questions that you had for the board that you felt that they didn't adequately answer?
3: Yeah. So some of the questions that I had, um, I guess, like, what I was expecting is, like, when we went into the school board meeting is that we would, like, actually go over it and hear, like, what's on the policy. Mm -hmm. But we didn't do that. Um, Before the policy was released to the public, students from the Student Equity Ambassadors actually got to review it. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a few questions that I wrote on there. Um, I also know that they, um, one of my questions was, um, about the guidelines. Um, we haven't, I don't think we've even started doing the guidelines yet. And even that will take a few months. I think we're supposed to start the guidelines in January and, um, that's going to take, they said, two to three months so almost to like the end of the school year and we originally thought that this would when we originally brought it to the school board back in may that it would take two months and then they told us even longer and now they're telling us even longer so i guess my main question is about the guidelines because they are like one of the biggest if not the biggest part of the whole entire policy
0: okay um does any particular guideline come to your mind or any um, suggestion for a guideline that that you have come to mind that you could share with us?
3: Um, I'm not sure if I have like a certain one, but I just know that like the guidelines are like the the most important part of the whole entire policy. Mm -hmm. And one, like one of our main reasons of bringing this anti-racism policy to the school board is because there was no consequences being faced by the people who were racist towards other students or being racist just in general. Mm-hmm. And it was just, they would go to the principals or the staff and the students were excused, brought back to class, whatever, not expelled, not, not, they didn't get a proper consequence for it. And it just keeps happening. And we keep seeing this every day and schools and online and, I think that was one of my main reasons of bringing this to the school board.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, you know, one could, could argue, you know, well, Hey, if you look at stats, there really weren't that many occurrences and there may be just sporadic, really just sporadic type instances. And they were kind of addressed and this, that, and the other, but we all know that one's perception is their reality. So if the perception is that nothing is being done, um, then, your thoughts on that fester <clears throat> and assumptions are made and things can get way out of control. So transparency, transparency and clarity is important in these things. Um, Adele, you said something at the start of this particular uh, broadcast that you felt that there was a lack of, of student voices um, at the board and if you can elaborate on that and, and, and then kind of share how the ambassadors that you're, that you're a part of could possibly be that voice.
3: Yes so um the reason I said there was a lack of student voice was throughout the whole equity ambassador process there was um all together three um sessions that worked on creating and uh drafting a policy and um you know they claimed that it was very um student-led and like the students let made made the policy and the students did this students did that but um throughout the whole process, it felt more like a lecture and not actually the students um, incorporating stuff. Although we did, um, it was a lot less of us incorporating and more of us, um, uh, more of the adults kind of um, not facilitating, but controlling what we could and could not do. So they would assign us to certain sections to work on. Um, They would say, okay, you would be talking about this, or you would be talking about that. It was more of like, everything all put together was more of, like, a lecture. We spent, like, a lot of time um, looking at slideshow presentations instead of actually drafting the policy, and so when we came back together and um, took a look at the policy, we noticed that a lot of things were incorporated that we had put. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it was just done by the by the adults and it was just not it felt it's like when you're in a classroom and the teacher kind of like um tells you what to do and the things you can do like oh this is your assignment this is that this is your assignment it was more of them assigning us roles and agendas instead of us actually um being able to have a voice and um a great example of that would be how uh, student equity ambassadors came up uh this week or last week to talk about um their experience with equity ambassadors prior to that they were very controlling that i was supposed to be a part of that uh that that program where we would uh share our experiences but i got basically kicked off of that because i had made a public comment even though i had the go-to to do that um so yeah that just shows like that they I guess they somewhat care about student voice, but at the same time, they don't because it's like I'm sh- sharing a different opinion. It's like not everything is going to be good on certain aspects. And I felt like it was very disrespectful for me to get kicked off the um, that segment of the program completely just because I had a different opinion. They wanted us to say all the good things. Um, and they wanted us to lie and say, oh, this is a great experience. like This is an amazing experience. But it really wasn't.
0: Hmm. Um, and, uh, Sabra, as you shared earlier in the show that you felt that there was somewhat similar to what JL was talking about, but there was a lack of communication. Um, it was just a lack of communication with students or a lack of communication to the entire student body. So if you can unmute and, and address that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lack of communication all around because they aren't communicating like, I don't know, it just very much feels like they are giving information when they think it's essential to give information like mm-hmm. they're not letting the school board members know like updates within the equity ambassador group they're not it's just like information is not accessible for everybody and you can see that with particularly their sit their tracking program or like where you can like on their website write down like if you've been bullied or something like that and It's just the way way it's set up is not very accessible, but they continue to like, I don't know, spread like say a message that's different than what we're seeing them do, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think that throughout the equity ambassador group, there wasn't a lot of communication of like location and stuff like that. So it just felt very hard to be like a seat at the table when you're not given all of the information and it's not being communicated to you. And then like the public doesn't know about like, what the equity ambassadors are doing within the group or like the impact of that. And so it just feels like there's not a lot of information being spread about it. And I think that's because of the lack of communication.
0: Okay. Uh, if you've just joined us on Bring It on, we're having a conversation with three recipients of this year's 2022 Swagger awards and Swagger again, stands for students who act generously grow and earn respect. And this is um, in part, um, sponsored by the City of Bloomington Commission on the Status of Children and Youth. And their core mission is to promote connections in the community that empower, enhance, and nurture children and youth. And uh, the ladies joining us this evening are Sydney Crossley, J.L. Davis, Saber-Wagner, along with Mr. Isidore Jimmy Torrey, who is the co-chair of the City of Bloomington's Commission on the Status of Children and Youth. Um, can I get a little bit of history on this ambassador group, uh, when did it start? What's it? Who's on this ambassador group, and and what is what is their mission? And this is for any anyone that that's on Sydney JL or Sabra.
3: Um. So I want to say that it started around September or August, and the um this is composed of thirty students from the four different high schools in MCCSC. So that would be BGS, um north south and then um there's a graduation school
1: Mm -hmm.
3: like a college it's like science something but um it was composed of four schools for mccfc and our whole goal was to make an anti-racism policy um well first Okay, this is where the this is where again it's brought up as a lack of um, communication on their part because we all came in with the idea that we were going to be editing a policy already made, hence, there being a an microaggression anti racism statement already out in the handbook. But um, instead, we ended up making the policy. So, our original goal was to edit the policy and see what we could, um, you know, change and put our perspective into it, but it just turned into us making in writing the policy and um yeah so we're continuing that and hoping to get it approved
0: you feel like you're doing the heavy lifting and and doing that you i hear in your voice that you felt that they should have had something in place already
3: i wouldn't say that um i felt like they they should have but i just don't see why they would have an anti-racism statement out if they didn't have some idea of a policy or a draft or some type of draft formed. And then also prior to that, while why me, Sabra, and Tony came in thinking that we were gonna edit a policy is because they had told us we were gonna be editing a policy.
0: Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, and Mr. Torrey, if, um if you could share with us through your program uh, just how you feel that you're able to empower these ladies to sort of create or craft a policy or or build upon or edit the current existing policy, and and what support is is uh, uh, your commission offering to these ladies in that
2: regard? Um, well, without speaking with the commission prior to this on this issue, uh, prior to this episode on this issue, um, what I can say is that we will definitely listen to to each of you. Um, hear what you want to be done and hear you know what needs to be done and I believe that um we can just support you and go you know might be able to talk to uh higher ups um, m- members um in in your no not speaking for not not we'll be I don't know how to say it. Um we'll talk to them for you, but not speaking for you. We'll be using your voice um, is what I think we could do. I don't want to say, I don't want to like say that this is what the commission can do without talking to our liaison and talking to other commissioners. Um, So I don't wanna make any promises, Um, but um, the only thing I can promise is that we will, we would and will support you um, in any way that you need us to, Uh, if you tell us, what you want um then we we will support you um but as far as what we can just jump in and do right away i can't speak on that um just because that would come from our liaison um and probably her um supervisor mm-hmm. so i don't want to overstep my balance mm-hmm. but the only thing i can like i said the only thing i can uh, say uh that we can give is is support and and um we just uh, support in the way you tell us you need it.
0: And also, I think uh, a, a tremendous thing that you're doing is, is recognizing these ladies for this gallant effort uh, by uh, awarding them the Swagger Award for this year. And uh, just to tell the community that, look, these ladies are about the business of taking care of business. And they're bringing, they're shedding light on a very sensitive topic. Um, again, this whole conversation of, of racism makes people uneasy it's not a very comfortable conversation to have it's what they call a hard conversation at times, uh, but it's a conversation that is needed. Um, I, I think understanding is the first step uh, again, understanding histories of communities and what they've been through and and again, what are third rail points in that community as far as what things that are discussed can really bring about a reaction that is not a pleasant one, and understanding why. Um, uh, ladies, I'm going to go around again, and from each of you, I'd like to hear if you could design the perfect policy. Um, and and I don't want you to get so specific that that it, you you know just keep it simplistic. Just what would be the the key things that you would want in the perfect policy to address uh, racial equity? And I'll start with you, Sydney.
3: Um, I guess for me, a uh, a very well structured good-looking policy would be one with really nicely worded guidelines. I don't want to say too specific, because if they are really specific, then I think people will pick out what they think racism is, and that will cause a whole lot of more problems. I think a good guidelines for what they do, and then the consequences for that, and then throughout the policy, just keywords and definitions for those. And um, just like making sure that we recognize all POCs and racist acts.
0: Okay. Uh, JL, uh, you like to take your, your uh, stab at that and the perfect policy uh, by JL Davis.
3: <laughs> um, so a perfect policy to me would, um, like Cindy said, having guidelines. Um, even with the draft, I would have in- included guidelines in the policy, to, but that's just me personally and like many other d- schools that have made an anti-racism racism policy, but I would have con- um, included guidelines and consequences, also references to support systems uh, who or resources uh, to people who have been experiences, experiencing racism, especially BIPOC, Black Indigenous people of color, giving them resources support. Um, help, but most importantly, the guidelines and consequences. I think that makes a very well structured policy because without the consequences, it's like nothing can really be done. Hmm.
0: So adding uh, teeth, not only teeth to it by by mandating that this is how we will operate, but what are the consequences if um, provisions of the policy are are um, transgressed in some way? Uh, Sabra, your your view your idea of the perfect policy on racial equity? What would that include? Just as simple as uh, you can make it.
1: Yeah, um, my perfect policy, I think it would start off by not being titled a racial equity policy because at least to to my knowledge, up until this point, it was was supposed to be an anti-racism policy. And I just think that taking away the anti, when it, it starts from, coming up with a policy to combat discrimination and be anti-racist and then it shifts to a racial equity policy it kind of lost the message of like trying to eliminate racism and acts at least by like the definitions that are currently in this policy but in my ideal policy i would include like an acknowledgement in the beginning of it of like what past actions have been like contributing to the problem at hand and how they're going to change and shift the policy i guess if they're adapting it from other stuff and i would also say guidelines are important because this policy draft the first one had like a brief accountability section but i think accountability is a huge part of a policy even if you're not outletting the full guidelines like if you're saying that one of the accountability measures is going to be um what's it called restorative justice or restorative act um activism i guess i don't know what it's called Um, or if you're saying that you're going to use progressive discipline, like farther outlining the steps of what that is, because yeah, if basically like, I don't see how it's like effective to have a policy without any way for it to be held accountable or for it to be actionable, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do in a policy if I did a perfect policy.
0: It's interesting you start off by saying one, um, I wouldn't have changed the focus or the thrust of the policy. You were looking for something that was anti-racist, meaning to uh, not promote or to um, remove actions that are deemed as racist. And it's interesting how society, you know, we're full of learned individuals that do extensive research and definitions and terms come into play. And they tend to sometimes muddy the water to the point where the initial issue gets uh, sort of blurred. And case in point, I'm looking at the policy that was shared, and they have a section on here for key terms and definitions. And without even getting into the uh, definition part, I'll just read what the terms as listed are. One is anti-racism, which is, I think, how this all began, uh, just a policy to combat racism, uh, so therefore anti-racism. But then it gets into bias. It gets into culturally responsive practices. It gets into this word discrimination. It gets into diversity, it gets gets into educational equity, and then it gets into ethnicity, and then it gets into historically marginalized, it gets into inclusion, intersectionality, marginalized, microaggression, neural diversity, oppression, opportunity gap, uh, and as further detailed as disparities and outcomes that occur as a result of the unequal or inequitable distribution of educational resources, on and on and on prejudice progressive discipline race racism slur and systemic racism it's like an alphabet soup and all we want is is for the behaviors to stop and sometimes it just feels as if things get diffused and and it can get frustrating uh and it can get frustrating it just it makes things more difficult but um what i, I wanted to hear is as say bro you're about to graduate if I'm not mistaken, right? Or or is this, are you a senior this uh, coming? Will you graduate this coming spring or do you have another year yeah. left?
1: I'm going to graduate in the spring. So.
0: Uh, are, you, are you motivated to do more in this area because of the experiences you have?
1: Yeah, I think these experiences definitely highlighted to me the importance of educational equity and the importance of having policies in place in education, And through my experiences this year, I've been very interested in pursuing, like, I'm going to go major in psychology and public policy, because I guess I didn't even really realize how important the policies are until it gets down to it. Because in day-to-day life, you don't really think about how policies affect you and how the practices and guidelines impact you until you have a problem where these policies aren't specific to the problem that you're experiencing, that you feel is wrong. So I've been really interested in looking at racially neutral policies and when i first looked at mccsc's handbook and policies that's something that seemed pretty prevalent like there was no big mention of like race specific like instances which and it seems with like the increasing amount that i've experienced in high school of racist acts it just felt weird to not have any specific like ways to like combat it or any specific language for what it's even considered I guess so yeah this this whole experience has definitely made me shift my future career focus and like I have a completely different perspective on how policies impact your life
0: okay and JL I'd like to add anything to that do you think that your trajectory or or your next steps in life are sort of being um, uh, altered in some way based on the experiences you're having now
3: Yes, I definitely uh, do think that they're altering um, what I want to do career-wise. I've very much been interested in marine biology and stuff like that. But um, it got me thinking um, it's really something that I'm passionate about. And I would like to have either like a major or minor in um, African-American studies or um, doing something psychology psychological wise working working on the brain so yes it's very much altered like where i see myself going career path wise Mm -hmm. and i'm very grateful for that because i think that's something that i would truly be interested in and would want to do
0: okay and uh sydney your thoughts on that if you can unmute and share your your thoughts do you think that your future steps have been altered in some way because of all this
3: Yes, I would definitely say my future steps in life have been altered by this. I guess I just see a lot of things differently, what I want to do with the future and make majors that I'm interested in. Um, And also just like being like more involved in the community, being more interested in board meetings now, um, just, just stuff going on locally in our town and just seeing a lot more meetings, and being more involved.
0: Okay, um, and, and just, and and I know Mr. Tory can attest to this, but, uh, you know, we've lived long enough to be a part of organizations that develop and craft policy. It can be a lengthy process. Um, I mean, it starts with an ideal, and then from there, you're you're, you're formulating some goals and some statements and on and there's a process step that for each uh, each level and it seems like it can just go on and on and on and it's just draining and draining but the whole intent is, is to come up with as i asked earlier the perfect policy on whatever issue that is uh would you agree with, with that mr Tory? uh
2: yeah i would agree um this i mean this the the, the process can be seen forever but it it's worth it. Once it's, um, it. Once, once it's, once it's been done, it's Absolutely. worth it, but it can be tiring and backbreaking.
0: And, and because I'm so glad you said it's worth it because one of the things I'm getting to is it may seem as if MCCSE is, is either stretching or slow walking or whatever this whole process um, and some of the comments I hear from you, but it is just that a process and to get it right, you know, they have to fa- they have to pass certain scrutinies and they have to get things voted on, as they said in the press release. It takes time to craft the perfect policy, uh, one that they hope they never have to revisit to change. And so that, and that can be the painstaking steps that they have to take to get to that end goal of the perfect policy. Uh, so I just want to share that with you from my experiences. And I've sat on numerous boards over the years and uh, what Yeah, it seems like it should be a very simple thing to do. One or two meetings were done. (laughs) That's just not the case. Um, But what I look for is to see is the intentions there, is the commitment there to get to that end goal. And from what I'm hearing and reading, I I want to believe it is. I want to believe it is. Um, But it sometimes calls for addressing things from the past and, and sometimes opening old wounds. And that can be the painful part. But if the end product is going to present you with uh, that perfect policy sort of say that things can, how things can function the way they should in a safe environment, uh, safe and fulfilling environment, then yeah, that can be painstakingly long. But just think, all of your efforts are not wasted efforts. Uh, and you're to be applauded for, for one having the courage to come forward to say, hey, there's a problem and this is what the problem is and something needs to be done. And staying with it, uh, persevering through all of this. And uh, that will pay off. I have a question for you. Um, do you ever feel like you're rock stars walking around in, the, in, in your schools? in Sydney, what do you feel? Do you feel like people look at you differently now? Do uh, they kind of say, a girl, way to go, or whatever? What's going on? If you could unmute there. there you go.
3: Um, yeah. Um, I would say, I guess, from like a lot of like older people, I don't know if like kids my age or like in high school, like no a lot about what's going on if they're not student equity ambassadors but I would definitely say like my mom gets emails or text messages from um, her friends um, and they say that they're really proud of the work that I'm doing and it just feels really nice knowing that I have that support group there for me and it was just really nice after going to the board in May and hearing Everybody was so proud of me and that I gave a really good speech. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, JL Davis, um, are you you a rock star? Do you walk around with an entourage now or what's going on with you?
3: (laughs) I definitely don't walk around with an entourage, but um, like Cindy said, I do have a lot of support with my family members and like um, the community and my mom's friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. And also something that I've noticed um, is that people call me um the activist of the school so like some people would be like oh there goes the activist of the school like y'all gotta watch out like just their little funny jokes or whatever and I think that at least they're acknowledging (laughs) that um I'm trying to make a change in the community um that we're trying and um I just think it's really cool to be um known for Making, trying, or at least trying and making change in community.
0: All right, and Zebra, uh, um, uh, are, 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 do you walk around now? See, I saw the little video clip of you all being interviewed, uh, and and I'll, I'll, I was sitting taller and I was saying, "Well, look there, there they go." Zebra, are you are you now a rock star?
1: Um, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a rock star. My friend said that I was kind of like a little local celebrity now, but I. <laughs> I just think it's interesting to see how many people have acknowledged it. And like, even though people haven't seen every single school board meeting, and I don't blame them, they're really long. It's like, they're interested in what's going on. And they know at least that it's about anti-racism and addressing like what needs to be done inside the school. So it's interesting to see like my teachers, like having seen my school board speech and then like acknowledging it to me and saying that they're proud of me. And then like, like what everybody else said, like, just like my family being supportive as well.
0: And, and the wonderful thing about all this, uh, it's the people that you don't sometimes realize you're impacting. I think all of you have uh, maybe younger siblings or maybe relatives that are looking up to you and, uh, you know, they walk around taller. Now they walk around prouder of the, uh, the efforts that their older sibling, uh, or older relative, uh, is involved in. And it takes courage. I can't say that enough. Uh, to voice your position, to defend your position, and then to intelligently, as J.L. has said earlier, sit down with a group of people to craft the remedy Uh, and just think all the different iterations or the different variations of the answer. And and then I've learned recently that you may have to even do pilots on on what you're putting together. You may have to call for a pilot study to say, hey, will this particular policy work in every situation in every school? It takes time. Uh, But at the end of it, at the end of it, as Mr. Tory said, it's all worth it. If you've just joined us here on Bring It On, we've had the pleasure of te- speaking with uh, three recipients of this 2022 Swagger Award, uh, which is, again, students who act generously, grow, and earn respect. And uh, they are Sidney Crossley, Sabra Wagner, and J.L. Davis. And, and joining them also uh, is Mr. Isidore Jimmy Torrey, who is a co-chair of the City of Bloomington's Commission on the Status of Children and Youth. And and this commission um, presented the Swagger Award this year to seven individuals. And out of, say, 17 impressive uh, nominated individuals, seven were uh, deemed worthy enough this year to be selected to be recipients of the Swagger Award. And we're sort of coming to the end of this conversation. um, And and I do want to shift gears away from the issues of racial equity and um, just racism, but anti-racism efforts in the Monroe County Schools uh, Corporation through a broader conversation to world views in our nation, around the world. And I'll start off with Sabra. As you look around our society, both in America and abroad, uh, what do you you sense as far as um, the challenges of trying to create a world that's equitable, uh, that is supportive of one another, regardless of their racial differences? And perhaps uh, even even as you look at our elected leaders, um, what are your hopes for the future? I mean, this is going to be your na- nation that you all will live in and you'll be participants in this whole process again. But what's your thought about that, Sabra, as you look at both nationally and then in, in a worldwide view of what's going on?
1: Yeah, my thoughts are that we can see that a lot of the things that have been left unaddressed are now becoming prevalent again, and things that people feel uncomfortable talking about are now now play a relevant role in like changing the just the patterns of discrimination that we're seeing and the systematic aspect of racism and discrimination and I think that for the future it's interesting to see like what we need to do to restore. Um, I wouldn't say restore because it doesn't feel like we've made it to a place where we have achieved racial equity or achieved equity for this. And I don't know, it's just really interesting to see. I'm definitely nervous for the future of it, but I think that we have to look at the past and look at why we are where we are right now for Mm -hmm. us to be able to make changes farther
0: in the future. Uh, Of all the different um, governmental systems that are out there. And, of course, there's so many that, you know, the variations of so many. Uh, we live, of course, in a democratic system. And um, growing up, I never felt that uh, it would ever change. I always felt that um, the democratic balances that we have, the, the balances of power in our country would always be the way they are and that there would never be a need to worry about that. But now over the last... Um, <laughs> Here I go again. I don't want to get on my soapbox, but over the last six or seven years, it seems as if the fragility of democracy has never been on display uh, more than what I see now. And as I have two young daughters and I think about their future, um, I want a society that is more secure and stable and for you three uh, and Mr. Tory, too. I mean, we all want the very best for you. Um, As you see what the adults in the room are doing on a national level, how does it make you feel, Sabra?
1: Um, I don't know. I feel definitely hopeful. I'm glad that there are people out there who are a good support system, I guess, and able to help others who are like, and the generation below them like lead at change and lead like into society since we're going to be adults and we're going to be contributors to this just knowing their knowledge and I think it's really interesting to see how things that I don't know like our constitution for example like things that you think are so like secure and will will never change or like be changing in front of us and everything seems to be evolving i guess like we're seeing things that we thought would always be true to be questioned and to be challenged yes
0: and uh not that the constitution should uh, never be challenged uh, when when there are inequities or when there are issues yeah it should be challenged but there's a process but um you said you use the word evolving, and I might use the word devolving um, in some instances from what, from what I see going on. Uh, JL, uh, let me ask you that as you look out in society and nationally and on a worldwide level, uh, what hopes do you have for our country and the world?
3: Well, um, for starters, um just going to be very honest. I really hope we get it together. <laughs> I feel like um, that's very broad and a lot to say for um, just, just a lot of things. There's just a lot of injustices that we need to work on, but I'm very hopeful for our generation and our next generation that we're actively protesting and working on um, being better um, as educationally, institutionally, and um, on a broader stance us being more open to talk about things that are hard to talk about because sometimes when we don't talk about things that are hard to talk about problems don't get combated or solved in the way that we want to see it be solved and it's definitely a process but um in order for us to um elevate we need to start having discussions about topics of racism or injustices in general and um I just am very hopeful that our generation, especially in the generations to come, will very get it, will get it together on that political aspect. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. And and Sydney, uh, if you can unmute and share with me, uh, just as I asked JL, as you look out across our country and the world, uh, what hopes and dreams or concerns do you have with what's going on?
3: Yeah. Uh, For starters, I definitely agree with JL and Sabra. Um, I feel like there's just a lot going on and there has been um, for the past, Well, like just been a lot more with COVID and a whole bunch of other things. Um, But yeah, I definitely am hopeful for the future. I think like JL said, we really do need to get it together. Um, There's so much going on in the world and, I'm hopeful for my generation to do something about it. Um, I think that we're a very smart and capable generation to do something about current problems that we're dealing with in society. And I think that we can really fix this. I think we just all have to like work together and come to some sort of agreement and hopefully that will be better for the future.
0: Well, I, I thank you three for that. Um, and to sort of piggyback on something Sydney just said, um, you mentioned COVID and you mentioned other uh, challenges around our world and nationally, and then of course, on a worldwide level, challenges oftentimes will magnify things that aren't perfect. Um, when challenges confront a nation or a group of people, you really see just how um cohesive that society is. And if there are imperfections, those imperfections can get magnified. And with COVID, what came out and was exposed was that in some communities, there there were inadequate systems in place to immediately vaccinate or immediately test individuals. And those uh, communities tended to be in places where uh, there were communities of color or low income individuals living in there. Uh, and, And that needs to change. And sometimes when we go through economic downturns and resources are not as plentiful or stock markets begin to dip and gas prices get up higher, uh, you begin to see other things that begin to manifest as a result of that, it seems uh, it can quickly turn into some desperate feelings out there. And then when that happens, then things get magnified again in those communities that were either marginalized or really didn't have the voice, as I heard you say earlier, that they should have had. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And we are uh, near the end with probably a, a minute or two left to go. And I'd like to let Mr. Torrey have a final word or two on, on what he's observed this evening during the conversation and his hopes and, and dreams for the future of these three ladies.
2: Sorry about that. Um, I feel that, uh, I think I said this last week, that... Uh young ladies you young ladies have seen the issue you've um, discovered or just dis, you know you, you you're trying to work on a, a, a solution to this problem to this issue and I think it's up to everyone that says they're behind you to be behind you and support you um I think that. This is not just an issue for for the three or the four of you. It's an issue for uh, obviously the school system, but even more, it's an issue for for this community um, because we can't be the community. I think that Bloomington thinks it is or wishes it could be with 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 this happening in our schools. With um, uh, you know, this racism happening in our schools. It's not that's that's not who. Bloomington says they are, mm-hmm. you know, that's not who they they want to believe they are, but um, I think that you all have, have planted the seeds for the change, mm-hmm. and it's up to everyone that has said they support you to help water those seeds, help support those seeds to grow and to um, get that change that we need and that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that that those are my final words and my hopes is that we support these young ladies, and we support our future. Um, we being the, old, the older, everyone else, we being everyone else. I'm not going to put the age on it. Everyone else needs to support.
0: Well said, well said. And with that, our thanks to the 2022 Swagger Award recipients, Sydney Crossley, JL Davis, Sabra Wagner, and Mr. Isidore James, Jimmy Torrey. I, I just made your name so long. Uh, Jimmy, I'm sorry. I know. i
2: just keep getting in there every time we do a show. <laughs> uh,
0: he is the co-chair of the City of Bloomington's Commission on the Status of Children and Youth. I want to thank you all for joining us this evening uh, to discuss the progress to date on the implementation of a racial equity policy in the MCCSC. Bringing on, we'll, we'll air follow-ups to this issue in future broadcasts. And Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is On at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is On at wfhb.org. And Bring It it On's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, and our assistant producer is Liz Mitchell. Our show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Kate Young. Our program engineer, Chantal Lafontant and our original theme music was created by Jamil Effium with additional background tracks by David Baker. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station. And, and happy holidays uh, to all who tune in this evening.
1: You've been listening to Bring It On,